The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Grandpa's Globe. Previously on Grandpa's Globe, Grandpa and the twins went with their new friend Scotty to Scotland to find the Pipes of Thunder. With little help from the magnifying glass, they found them buried under the Kalanish stones. But as soon as they dug up the magical bagpipes, Drake stopped them and took the artifact for himself. Drake took Grandpa and the twins prisoner and then began trying to make the pipes work but was unsuccessful. Finally, after plugging all the bagpipes' holes, it worked and tore one of his ships in half. Before they could sink, Grandpa and the twins jumped back home, leaving Drake with the last artifact he needed before heading to Antarctica. When Grandpa and the twins got back to the treehouse, they found it full of dozens of globetrotters who had answered the call of the lantern, some of whom were people who'd helped them on previous missions. And now for Season 2, Episode 12, The Globetrotter Society. Sawyer and Susie couldn't believe their eyes. All around them, globetrotters from so many of their previous missions were crammed into the treehouse awaiting further instruction. Alf, the Viking, was resting on his axe. Aziza, the blind man from Egypt, felt the face of Gabriella next to him and asked her where he was. Achara from Thailand was tinkering with the little ferris wheel made of mason jars. And from the corner of the room, the Canadians Barry and Harry kept going down the line and giving everyone cheery handshakes. Um, wow, Susie said, giving a little wave to Shaka from South Africa. I didn't know that all of you were globetrotters. Harish from India spoke up. I cannot speak for everyone, but I am just as surprised to see you two again. I'll second that, said Watson from England, leaning on his cane. Quieren tamales? Dora from Mexico smiled and held out a couple of tamales. Uh, maybe later, Sawyer said, trying his best to resist the offer. I'll take one. Dante said, holding out his hand, but Dora pulled the tamales back. No, they are for los niños. Dora nodded to the twins and gave them a sweet look. Oh, come off it. I can be a niño. No. A few feet away, Watson and Gabriella were having a heated argument over $20 that Watson still owed Gabriella. Okay, seriously, you guys? This is nuts. Sawyer jumped in. Why didn't any of you tell us you were Globetrotters? Why didn't you? A few of the Globetrotters replied. Sawyer raised an eyebrow. Touché. I guess this shouldn't be too surprising, Grandpa said, scratching his beard thoughtfully. We did know that the Globes like to make Globetrotters cross paths, whether they be good or bad. I guess the Globe just helped us out a lot more than we realized. But Kip, Grandma whispered, 
The no-god twins were globetrotters, and so is Captain Drake. How do we know there aren't a few bad eggs here? We don't, Grandpa said out of the side of his mouth. But we have to trust the globe. I'm sorry, Anigo Montoya interrupted in his Spanish accent. But are any of you in distress? My sword is going to be very unhappy if there isn't someone here to swing it. His dark mullet bounced as he pulled out his sword and whipped it through the air. Achara had to duck under one of his swings. Watch it! You watch it! You're standing in my practice space! Practice space? We are crammed into a little treehouse! Practice outside! Practice out? Do you know who I am? My name is Anigo Montoya. You killed my... Guys, guys! Susie shouted and the two globetrotters went quiet and looked at her. Please don't fight. We are a team. And we are in distress, Anigo. Anigo put his sword away and tossed his mullet out of his face. Good. Captain Drake has the pipes of thunder and he's taking them to Antarctica. We don't know why yet, but if it's his final destination, you can be sure it's something big. We need to figure out how we're going to stop him. But I guess... She looked over the group. We should probably call this meeting to order, seeing as it's the first Globetrotter Society meeting in a really long time. Unless you guys have been meeting without us. The Globetrotters gave each other nasty looks. I'll take that as a big fat no. Susie sat down in one of the little chairs and motioned for the others to do the same. But as they went to sit down, a few of them started arguing over the limited seats. I was going to sit there, Scotty said to Harish. Are you kidding? I was practically sitting down before you even tried. Hey there, you two, said Barry the Canadian. No need to fight, eh? You can both share this little love seat over here. Harry and I'll give it to you. Right here? Harry grunted and got up from the seat. <laughs> Scotty and Harish exchanged another nasty look before reluctantly walking over and sharing the seat. Barry suddenly thrust a couple of granola bars in their faces. Here are some snacks to keep you happy, <laughs> he said brightly. Don't want you two to start fighting again, eh? It's an important meeting, don't you know? Is that chocolate? Scotty said, glaring at Harish's granola bar. Why did he get the chocolate one? I want snacks, Hans from Germany whined. Yeah, said some of the others. A few of them tried to grab the granola bars out of Harish and Scotty's hands. Ooh, ooh, can I have one? Sawyer raised his hand, but Susie elbowed him. Ouch, hey, you're not helping. Sorry, I just really like granola bars. Alf was basically the only one not fighting with someone, but he ended up making just as much noise as he tried to sit in one of the little chairs and it shattered under his weight. This is clearly not Norwegian made, he huffed. Look at this, Grandma said with her hands on her hips. It's a zoo in here. You're right, this isn't working, Susie said, looking over the angry mob. She jumped up onto the little table. Guys! Guys! Hello! Everyone ignored her. A loud whistle echoed through the treehouse, and everyone finally went quiet. Sawyer pulled two fingers out of his mouth, 
pretended to blow smoke off them, and then nodded to Susie. They're all yours. Thanks. Susie looked at the globetrotters, some of whom had to pull their hands off the neck of the person next to them. Alf was holding two globetrotters apart with his massive hands. Obviously, we are going to be able to make a plan together if none of you can get along. A few of the globetrotters looked down sheepishly. So maybe we could try playing a little game to break the ice. Or, um, in this case, the tension. I want each of you to look at the person on your left and say something nice about them. Dante, let's start with you. Dante rolled his eyes and then turned to Dora, who had her hands on her hips and an eyebrow raised. Dora, um, you make very good tamales. Susie smiled at the sweet compliment, and even Dora seemed to soften, until Dante finished. Tamales that you selfishly keep for yourself or your precious ninos. The two erupted into another argument, which set off a chain reaction of disputes throughout the treehouse. Angry chatter filled the room. Sawyer whistled again, and this time he hopped up on the table once everyone was quiet. We don't really have time for this, but you've all left me with no choice. The only way to fix this is with a Sawyer bash. Sawyer, no, Susie said, burying her face in her hands. You're right, we don't have time for it. Plus, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculously awesome. What in tarnation is a Sawyer bash? Grandpa asked. Do we want to know? Grandma said hesitantly. It's what my mom and dad call my special birthday celebration that we do every year. But before we start, we're going to need to move the trampoline, and I'm going to need access to your freezer, Grandma. Grandma and Grandpa didn't like the sound of this, but as desperate as they were, they complied. Minutes later, Sawyer had the whole backyard set up for his Sawyer bash. On such short notice, Sawyer had to improvise, and the yard didn't look very impressive, but everyone waited to see what he had planned. Sawyer, is this just an excuse to get two birthday parties this year? Susie said irritably. No, that's just an added bonus. He looked at Grandpa. Gramps, think you could play DJ for us? Grandpa grinned. And drown out the sound of these complaining yahoos? Gladly. Grandpa leaned over his wheelchair, pressed a few buttons to unfold the turntable and speakers, and blared his party music mix. Sawyer bobbed the music, snapped his fingers, and did a terrible moonwalk over to the treehouse window with the zip line. Now, do exactly as I do. Right on cue with the music, Sawyer grabbed onto the zip line, zipped down from the treehouse across the yard, and then dropped onto the trampoline. A sprinkler positioned under the trampoline sprayed a fountain up through it and soaked Sawyer as he did a little flip. Then, with an overly dramatic roll, he hopped off and grabbed one of the huge popsicles out of a nearby cooler. Come on! He waved up to the next person by the window, who happened to be Scotty. I'm going, I'm going. The Scot said as the others nudged him forward. Scotty carefully tucked his kilt like a gentleman, grabbed onto the zip line, and screamed as he zipped down the line to the trampoline. 
Forgetting to let go, he ran right into the trampoline's net enclosure and flew back onto the trampoline. Sawyer quickly handed him a huge popsicle before he could complain. After a couple of bounces, Scotty's frown turned into a smile. I like it! <laughs> I like it! One by one, the globetrotters zipped down from the treehouse, bounced on the trampoline, and grabbed a popsicle. Harry and Barry, the Canadians, kept letting others go in front of them, but Alf insisted he go last, being a little self-conscious about his size and what it might do to the zipline. But to his own amazement, when it was his turn, the zipline held strong and he gleefully zipped down from the treehouse. When he dropped onto the trampoline, he bounced twice, Whoa! launching Harry, who was still on the trampoline, clear over the enclosure, and then rip, crash! Alf broke through and landed on the ground. Ouch! He groaned, his poor backside taking another beating. Sawyer tried to soften the blow by offering him three monstrous popsicles, which seemed to do the trick. Flavored ice on a stick? Thank you! Pretty soon, everyone was eating popsicles, shooting each other with squirt guns, playing capture the flag, and having a water balloon fight. Except for Inigo Montoya, who was too worried about his hair getting wet and messed up, so he enjoyed his popsicle on the sidelines. Anytime a stray water balloon flew his way, he sliced it out of the air with his sword. Prepare to die! Prepare to die! Prepare to die! He'd say with every swipe. Once they were all sufficiently soaked and happy, they climbed back up into the treehouse and took a seat. I can't believe that worked, Susie mumbled to Sawyer, watching in disbelief as Dante gestured for Dora to take a seat next to him. Dora glanced over her shoulder before sneaking Dante one of her famous tamales. Don't tell the others, she whispered. Ah, it's the magic of the Sawyer bash, Sawyer said with a sigh. It'll get you every time. Good work, Susie said. She hopped back up on the table and looked at the group. Okay, now that we got that out of our system, it's time to plan. First off, we know that Drake will be heading to Antarctica with the Pipes of Thunder as soon as he salvages what he can from one of the ships we sunk. I think it's safe to assume the globe will tell us where in Antarctica he'll be going. When we get there, we'll need some of you to retrieve all of the stolen treasure and magical artifacts from Drake's ships. The Canadians, Shaka, and Harish volunteered. Good. Now, who is willing to fight off the crew while we go after Drake and try to beat him to the last artifact? Almost everyone else raised their hands. I don't like that man, Alf said. He called me mean names. Anigo looked over all of the raised hands. Excelente! A globetrotter army! Quieren tamales! Dora rubbed her hands together and smiled. Dante, what are you going to do? Susie asked, noticing that he hadn't volunteered for anything. I'm going after Drake, Duff. I hate to use clichés at a time like this, but we have unfinished business to attend to. As long as it helps us beat him to the artifact, that's fine. Sounds like we'll need the Pipes of Thunder to get to it, though. Uh, that might be tricky. Oh, please, Sawyer scoffed. With Grandpa's wheelchair on our side, we'll be able to pull this off, no problemo. 
You speak a Spanish? Inigo raised his eyebrows. Grandpa knocked into Sawyer with his wheelchair. You mean with Grandpa on your side, we'll be able to pull this off. Sure, Gramps, whatever. Susie took down notes in her notebook. Even when we get to Antarctica, we don't really know what we're looking for. Have any of you, in all your travels, heard of what kind of magical artifact may be hidden there? We need to know what we're dealing with. The room fell silent. The Globetrotters exchanged looks. After a long, quiet moment, Dante finally took off his cavalier hat and scratched his head. I know what he's after, he said. We're listening, Sawyer told him after Dante failed to elaborate. He's after... Dante hesitated. The ice dial. There was a loud gasp in the room. I thought it wasn't real, Scotty shouted over the commotion. How do you know, eh? Barry asked, taking a swig of his maple syrup flask. I know because Drake and I had planned to go looking for it together, and that's where it was said to be. The room went quiet again. When we were close, mate, we set out to find it. We even came across some old scrolls that seemed to show where it was. But before we could find the dial, we heard it falling out. Close mates, Watson laughed. That's one way to put it. We told you to cut ties with that rotten bloke ages ago. I know, I know. Turned out to be a tad more difficult than I'd anticipated, all right, see? But here I am, as separated as separated can be. And now I want him to pay. Can he be trusted? Alf questioned the others. The Globetrotters grumbled amongst themselves. I can assure you, mates, Dante shouted over them. Never has a Globetrotter been more determined to make things right. I will settle this with Drake. You have my word. Oh, revenge. Now we're talking, Anigo Montoya said, gleefully twiddling his fingers. This seemed to appease at least most in the group. What is this ice dial exactly? Grandpa asked. Is it dangerous? Grandma added. Very, Dante said gravely. The ice dial supposedly allows time spinners to travel anywhere at any time period in history. The air suddenly sucked out of the room. What? said Grandma Grandpa and the twins. Dante checked to see if they were being serious. Um, time spinners? Time traveling anywhere at any time? He repeated. <laughs> I'm sorry. My hearing isn't what it used to be. Grandpa chuckled, turning a finger in his ear. It sounded like you said time travel. I did, old man. Grandma, Grandpa, and the twins blinked at him, stunned. Dante continued. Hold on, mates. Are you telling me you didn't know that glow magic could be used to time travel? Grandma, Grandpa, and the twins slowly shook their heads. Dante laughed. You've got to be. Well, why do you think I wore this getup, eh? I just thought you really liked tight pants, Sawyer mumbled. 
I do, but I also happen to be from the 1500s. He shook his head. What about Alf? You thought he was just dressing up like a Viking for fun? Sort of, Susie admitted with a shrug. He is a Viking, he pointed to Watson. Watson is from Victorian Britain, for Pete's sake. Why, at least half of the trotters here are time spinners. Sawyer and Susie were thunderstruck. They looked back over the group, and now that they thought about it, their outfits were more than authentic. But even so, time travel? They knew the globe magic was powerful, but never could have imagined it was capable of this. Dante lowered his voice. Captain Drake and his pirates have been jumping through time, stealing the greatest treasures and magical artifacts from each time period. Cool, Sawyer breathed. But when he got a bunch of dirty looks, he quickly added, I mean, cold-hearted. <laughs> what a terrible guy, right? Time-traveling treasure hunter? So lame. But how does it work? Susie asked, still skeptical. Dante blew a raspberry. <laughs> does anyone really know how the globe's magic works? We just know how to use it. You see... He walked over to Grandpa's globe that was sitting on the table. When you flip your globe upside down, it's ready to time spin. He demonstrated by taking the globe off its stand, flipping it upside down, and then setting it back on its stand. As he did, the globe started to glow bluish-purple. Topsy-turvy, and voila! It's ready for you to time travel. Grandma, Grandpa, and the twins slowly walked over to it, the bluish-purple glow shining off their shocked faces. Where does it take you? Grandma asked, mesmerized. Where it wants, I guess. You know how the globe is. It sends you where it thinks there's a need. Usually it will send you to a time and place that needs to be corrected. That's why many of us are here. He gestured to the group, and nearly half the globetrotters nodded. Sawyer squinted at the globe in deep thought. But doesn't interfering with the past screw up the future? You know, if I, like, step on an ant or something, we all become robots in the future? Dante chuckled. Time isn't quite that touchy, mate. Stepping on a few ants, being seen by people and whatnot, doesn't really affect much. Now, killing someone, that has some serious consequences. You're cutting off an entire line of posterity if you do that. But it's happened. Have you ever heard of the infamous Noodlebottom family before? Susie frowned. No? Exactly! Okay, but why would the globe want you to fix things in the past? Susie asked. Or future? Dante added. I can't say for sure because I don't understand the great mysteries of these magical balls any better than you. But I personally have always seen it as the universe's way of correcting our mistakes. It seems there is a specific outcome it's shooting for, and when we veer too far off the path, it sends us time spinners out to make a few tweaks, eh? Grandpa snorted and everyone looked at him. <laughs> he snorted again and then burst into hysterical laughter. <laughs> Time spinners! Oh, this is 
<laughs> too much. I can't. I can't. Oh. Dante looked at him annoyed. I'm not joking, you bag of bones. This is real, isn't it? He looked at the group and several of them confirmed. Grandpa's laugh died down as he wiped a tear from his eye. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Go on, Dante. Show him, Alf said in his deep voice. Oh, buggers, Dante sighed. Come here, all of you. Grandma and the twins nervously stepped up to the glowing globe next to Dante. Shaking his head, Grandpa joined them. Dante then pulled out a small dagger from his belt and held it up. In order to time spin, it's very important you have a tether. Your tether is what keeps you connected to your time. Lose it while you're time traveling and you're stuck in another time period forever. To link your tether, simply touch it to the globe during your first time spin. That will link it to you and the magic. As you can see, my dagger is my tether. For Alf, it's his axe. Alf smiled and waved his axe at them. For Watson, it's his timepiece. Watson bounced his eyebrows as he held up his old watch connected to a golden chain. Each of you find something you're confident you won't lose and then carefully touch it to the top of the globe, eh? Sawyer fiddled through his pockets and pulled out his EpiPen. It was something he always had to have on him because of his allergies. He touched it to the globe and it started to glow bluish-purple. Grandpa's smile disappeared. Susie was next. She took out the guidebook and looked it over. She never globe-trotted without it. Carefully, she touched a corner of it to the globe, and it too started to glow. Grandma held out her wedding ring. And finally, Grandpa joined them, rolling up in his wheelchair and literally throwing his hat in. The old cap glowed next to the other items. Once all of their tethers were linked, Dante had them join hands. Now, your first time spin is going to feel a little bumpy, but trust me, you get used to it eventually. Just remember, stay close and do exactly as I say. Ready? They nodded. Dante joined hands with them and touched the spinning globe. Streaks of swirling light engulfed them, and the twins felt like they dropped through the floor. They screamed as they fell, glowing streaks of light flashing all around them. Sawyer's stomach twisted and turned. He could feel himself spinning and turning upside down. For a split second, Susie managed to focus on one of the passing streaks of light. In its tail, she thought she could see images of the Apollo rocket launch. Another streak whizzed by, and in the trail of this one, she thought she saw an image of a medieval battle. On and on they went, spinning, turning, falling. Sawyer and Susie were starting to feel sick. Just when Sawyer was sure he was going to hurl, they stopped. Plump. They landed in a thick jungle. Grandma and the twins collapsed on the ground, dizzy and out of breath. Grandpa lay limp in his wheelchair, his head swiveling on his neck. Oh, that was awful, he groaned. Dante drew his sword and stared into the jungle, alert and confused. Please tell me we aren't where I think we are, he mumbled. Where's that? Sawyer said, struggling to his feet. A screech suddenly echoed overhead. 
Everyone looked up to see a flock of pterodactyls flying above them. Susie's lip quivered. Are those... Dinosaurs! Sawyer announced, a look of wonder crossing his face. No, 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 no! Dante struggled to pull out his dagger. Grab your tethers! Quick! A low rumbling sound came from the thick patch of trees a hundred yards away. Dante stared at it in a panic. Quickly! He shouted. A loud roar shook the treetops and birds were sent flying. Susie fumbled for her guidebook while Sawyer took out his EpiPen. With a thunderous crash, a herd of dinosaurs broke through the tree line, smashing the trunks underfoot. Everyone stared with wild eyes at the stampeding T-Rex, Triceratopses, and raptors sprinting towards them. Their sinewy muscles bulged through their scales as they ran. The ground shook with every pounding stride. As their shadows eclipsed him, Sawyer was amazed with how enormous they were in person. Now touch your tether to the earth and say home! Dante shouted over the dinosaurs' roars and thundering footsteps. Each of them did as he said, slamming their tether to the ground and shouting, Home! Grandma and the twins vanished. Grandpa had to throw his hat on the ground and step on it so as to not strain his back. Home! He shouted. He was gone. Dante was the last to go. The dinosaurs were merely feet away. He could smell their rank breath and feel the heat of their charge. Before they were on him, he thrust his dagger into the ground and shouted, <laughs> Grandma, Grandpa, and the twins appeared back in the treehouse, shocked and thrilled all at once. The Globetrotters checked to make sure they were okay. Where's Dante? Sawyer said, looking around. A minute later, the air split, and the musketeer appeared next to them. What took you so long? Susie asked, relieved to see their friend alive. Dante fanned himself with his cavalier hat. When I say home, it sends me back to my time period. Lucky for us, when I did a time spin with my globe, it brought me back. I figured it would do that since our mission isn't done here. Thank goodness, Susie said, trying to hide how relieved she was. I just saw a T-Rex in the flesh. Oh, man! Sawyer was bouncing. He was so excited. So, would it screw anything up if next time I tried riding a dinosaur? Not gonna happen, mate, Dante said, putting his hat back on. I've never heard of anyone getting sent that far back. Your globe was showing off. Grandma and Grandpa were still rattled by the experience. This is too much power, Grandpa whispered. How can the globes trust mere mortals not to mess this up? Dante patted him on the shoulder. Mere mortals are all the globes have ever had to work with, eh? That is why some of us go astray, like Captain Drake. If he gets hold of the ice dial, he will be able to time-spin to any time period at will instead of being bound to whatever time the globe chooses. Their kind of power does not belong in the hands of anyone. I agree, said Grandpa resolutely. Behind him, the globe stopped spinning and its glow faded. It looks like it's ready for us to go, Dante said, nodding to it. He walked over and flipped the globe right side up. As soon as it was in place, it started to turn, and Antarctica glowed on its surface. 
Susie looked at the group. Is everyone ready? The Globetrotters nodded. Let's go before I break anything else, Alf said in his booming voice. Grandpa, Grandma, and the twins put on their samurai armor and Sawyer attached the globe to his chest plate. Then, one by one, the Globetrotters formed a circle and linked arms. Susie took a long, deep breath. <sighs> okay, here we go. She reached out and touched the globe. Hey, Rocketeers! I hope you guys liked that episode of Grandpa's Globe. That was pretty crazy. I know things are getting kind of out of control, and I love it. Only one episode left in this season, you guys, so don't miss it. Time spinners? What? This is crazy! We need to give some shout-outs. Harrison and his mom, Laura, from Eastern Washington... Hey, oh, yo, guys. Thank you so much for being patrons, and thank you so much for listening. Dominic from California and Joel T. from Seattle, and my niece and nephew from Castle Rock, Colorado, Chloe and Walker. Thank you guys for listening, for supporting the show. And I also want to thank my mom, Roxanne, for editing the story. She cleans up my mistakes. And Rocketeers, I have a new show I'm going to premiere here real soon, but I would love to hear what seasons you'd like to hear next of existing stories. Do you want more Space Train, Winglings, Life? Shoot me an email and let me know at purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com or message me through the Purple Rocket Facebook page or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be great. And tell me what you'd like to hear more of there. I read it all. So please... Give me your feedback. I want to make stories that you enjoy. Rocketeers, you're amazing. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check back next time. Tell your friends and family. Share the stories. And I'll be back. This is your host, Greg Webb.